Good morning, everybody. Uh, I just have to uh, grab my chocolate. Um, this will become clear. This is not just a snack in case I get hungry uh, during this, but there is a rather tenuous point a little later on in the sermon to it. Um, uh, you'll know if you've been here the past few weeks that we are going through the Gospel of John. Uh, that is the plan for the next year or so. Uh, and we're still uh, in chapter 1. Uh, please turn there if you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible on you, there are Bibles at the back. You are welcome to uh, get one to use or keep or whatever. Before we come to read it, I just want us to have one thing in mind, and that is what the whole purpose of John's gospel is. Uh, this has already been mentioned uh, in previous sermons, but it's good for us as we come to read John to think, why is John writing what he's writing? The key he gives us is in chapter 20, verse 31. John writes these things so that we might uh, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that by believing that he is the Son of God, have life in his name. So as we come to read these verses, let's have that in our minds. John is writing this, that we may believe Jesus is the Son of God. Now our verses are John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I, said to you, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Amen. You might have a little heading in your Bible that says something like Jesus calls the first disciples. And his call to them is to follow him. They are to see something of worth in Jesus that would make them want to move on from whatever they were doing before, or whoever they were following before, to follow Jesus. I thought what better way to illustrate this than I have 
um, some Instagram accounts on here, and we're going to compare what people have de determined to be worth following. Uh, so there's like four pairs, and they come in competitions. In case you can't see it, uh, this is Cats of Instagram. This is the official page on Instagram for Cats, and it has 13.4 million followers. The next one, Dogs, 5.3 million followers. So in case there was any doubt between whether cats or dogs are better, Instagram has cleared it up for us. Millions of people think they're worth following. This is Martin. Uh, for some reason, even though there are no posts, 318 people think Martin is worth following on Instagram. And shameless self-plug, but the next one uh, is me. Uh, and there are 550 uh, sorry people who think I'm more worth following than Martin on Instagram. Uh, the next one uh, is Lionel Messi, uh, another kind of debated one. So he has 334 million followers, uh, which is absolutely mental. But the next one, and as a United fan, I'm very proud of this, Cristiano Ronaldo, best footballer in the world, 450 million followers. He is the most followed person on Instagram. And then the final one, or the final two, the Scottish national football team. Uh, I'm aware that I give a lot of stick up here to the Scottish rugby team, uh, and so I thought I will not do that this morning. Uh, the Scottish national football team have 326,000 followers. And the next one is this egg has 4.8 million followers, which is a sad sight for the Scottish football team being beaten by an egg. People, as they go on social media or whatever, they look at an account and they say, hey, this is worth following. Uh, now, pressing the follow button uh, really doesn't take very much. Seeing something come up on your feed is really not an issue. It's an easy thing to follow. And the disciples, in verse 37, make following Jesus seem like a really easy thing to do as well. Let's see what all the verse says is the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. It's just one verse. Probably out of all the verses we read, we might be most tempted to just skip over it, as it doesn't really say that much. But they came to follow Jesus with no ifs or buts. No qualms about it that would make that verse a lot longer. The two disciples heard John say, Behold the Lamb of God." And they didn't stop and, and weigh up, well, is he really going to be that good that I could follow him? Well, I've got all these other things uh, going on in my life, so maybe I won't. No huge decision to be made on their part. They just heard him say this. They quickly got up and they followed Jesus. I wonder as we, as we hear a call from Jesus to follow him, or we consider our own Christian lives, or we consider maybe even the return of Jesus, if we can honestly say that we'd have that same immediate approach. I guess uh, as Christians, yeah, we have an excitement for Jesus to return, but maybe there's things going on in our mind or in our lives that we actually really hope happen before he does. Maybe we're holding on to things so tightly that, that we're excited about Jesus' return, but we think, well, you know, before that I'd really love to to graduate. I'd really love uh, to see my kids get married. I'd really love to get to retirement age. I've just booked that fantastic holiday for the future. If Jesus could come back after that, that would be awesome. Perhaps uh, 
waiting for some other big life event to come. And we think, yeah, it's exciting that Jesus is coming. But as we hear Jesus' call to follow him, we wouldn't have such a quick verse like 37. Or perhaps, uh, as we uh, read this passage, what sticks out to us and what challenges us uh, is not how quickly they were able to follow Jesus, but how quickly the disciples were able to tell others about Jesus. Uh, So look at verse 36. Uh, John the Baptist, a man with followers, just looks sees Jesus and tells the others, behold the Lamb of God. Or Andrew in verse 31, as soon as he hears of Jesus, he finds his brother Simon and he says to Simon, we have found the Messiah. Or look at verse 45, Philip, uh, who Jesus calls to follow him, then found Nathanael and told him, Perhaps the challenge we are hearing, maybe we are embracing the fact that we are to follow Jesus, but we're struggling with the fact that people who follow Jesus tell other people about Jesus. Perhaps as we uh, go to work or meet with our family or meet with our friends, the idea of telling them who Jesus is comes pretty far down our priorities. Maybe it's because we're just not sure if the news of Jesus is that good. Maybe we're not sure they're going to respond in a way we would like. Maybe the fear of speaking up is just too much. And whether the call of following Jesus is hard for us or the call of sharing Jesus is hard for us, I don't want us to recognize that and then get into a place of beating ourselves up about it. Of thinking the solution to any of these things is just to try a bit harder or to be a little bit better. Or if the solution, uh, maybe if we're talking about following Jesus, maybe we think the solution is, well, well if, I could, if I think about those other things in the world that I love less, maybe Jesus will become more to me. And that's uh, where the chocolate comes in. Uh, so consider uh, these two chocolate bars. Sorry, I know this is a Sunday school illustration, uh, but it's the tastiest one I could think of. Uh, so consider these two chocolate bars. For many of us at points in our lives, and maybe some of us will find ourselves today, Jesus is a significant part of our life. We love him. We come to church sometimes. But so many of our other things in life, maybe we're holding as things that match up, as even. Yeah, Jesus is part of our life, but he's not our whole life. And he doesn't reign supreme over these other things. And perhaps then we realize that, we see how quickly they went to follow Jesus and they left their uh, other things to follow Jesus. And we think, okay, if I'm going to do that, then I need to just cut down those other things and replace them with something far worse. That if we make those things lesser, Jesus will seem bigger to us. And there is a call in scripture um, to, uh, to forsake things for the sake of God. But in saying that Jesus can only be big to us by making these other things less, what we're saying is Jesus is actually not that big. We're actually saying that Jesus is not that powerful. We're saying that he's quite good, but everything else needs to be worse for him to be supreme. So if we're in that place of things being the same, the solution is not to make those other things worse, but to behold Jesus more. This was meant to be a bit bigger to make it even more obvious if you're at the back. But this is far bigger. 
But if we behold Jesus more, if we focus on him more, if we see more of who he is, by default and by nature, these other things will appear smaller. Not because we look at them uh, and not because we make them worse, but because we see more of who Jesus is. These disciples didn't come to follow Jesus because they were just dissatisfied with their life. They came to follow Jesus because they realized and saw just how wonderful Jesus is. So if you're struggling at the moment at all with the idea of following Jesus with our whole lives or struggling with the idea of speaking about him, I don't want us to beat ourselves up or just try a little harder. I just want us to behold Jesus more. And naturally, as we realize and see more of who he is, we will follow him and want to share about him. Throughout our passage, there are five uh, different times when people exclaim something about Jesus. And really, I just want us to spend our time soaking in the depth and the truth of what these are. As first, uh, he is called the Lamb of God by John the Baptist. Then he is called Teacher by Andrew. Uh, then he is called Messiah, also by Andrew. Then he is called the promised one, and then he is called the son of God, the king of Israel. So look first at the lamb of God, verse 36. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the lamb of God. It's the same phrase as in verse 29, so I'll read that one too. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why is Jesus worth following? Well, first and foremost, Jesus is worth following because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Even from the start of John's gospel, we see that the purpose of Jesus being here is for him to be that Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. The lamb who takes away the sin of the world by being a sacrificial lamb. A lamb who silently went to the cross in our place. The one who looks at us and realizes that we are sinful people, but dies in our place taking the punishment we deserve. Jesus is worth following because he is the one who can save us. We might try so desperately hard to save or justify ourselves. To come to others or to come to God and say, well, well, actually, I did quite a lot of good Christian things. I came to church quite a lot. I gave a lot of my money to church. I did all these things. But no matter what we have done or what we can boast about, we fall so dreadfully short. And Jesus knows that. And Jesus says, rather than you try and fix all this, I have come as the Lamb of God to fix it all. That that debt of sin you can never pay is paid for by him. That the Lamb of God on the cross, innocent, takes our sin. And for John, the Lamb of God doesn't just uh, stop at him being the one who dies on the cross for us. But the Lamb of God is actually the picture he paints so often in the story of Revelation. He points, he points us towards a dead, a savior, Lamb of God, and he points us also towards the risen Lamb of God. The Lamb of God, he says, we will worship in glory forever. I'm going to read some of Revelation 5. I read this last week. 
This is verses 8 to 14, pointing us towards the risen lamb. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in the earth and on the earth and under the heaven and the sea, all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down as worship and worshiped. John the Baptist is pointing his disciples and pointing us to recognize Jesus as the Lamb of God, the one who was slain for us, and also the risen Lamb of God that we will praise with all creation in glory. The second exclamation of who Jesus is is in verse 38. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? In the culture of the day, uh, many uh, Jews would have had a rabbi, uh, a teacher, that they would have followed around basically the whole time. They would have learned from their life and from the things they said uh, exactly what it meant to be, um, to, to be religious. Uh, many would have uh, found uh, different rabbis and followed them for a few years. And now the disciples have come to a point where they're saying, actually, Jesus is the rabbi that I'm looking for. Jesus is the one uh, who I want to be my teacher because Jesus is the one who holds the truth. Today we live uh, in an age where at our fingertips we have access to millions and millions of teachers. Uh, To my shame, I got into TikTok a couple of months ago And one of the things I love about it is I learn so many facts. But to be honest, I actually have no idea if any of them are true. I just go around saying things like sharks are older than trees. And I hope that what I've learned from TikTok is actually the case. I guess it's a pretty uh, obvious example of having a teacher that we're maybe not that able to trust. But as we go about our lives, there are so many different voices and messages coming at us. Competing messages. And it'd be so easy to get sucked into them and to miss the truth of what God tells us. If we even just uh, take a blank look at what we spend our time reading and watching, just look at the hours. If we spend uh, four or five hours watching TV or on social media a day and five minutes in the Bible, we can quickly see that the things of this world are going to form us a lot more than Jesus teaching us. And we might say, okay, well, I know that those things I'm watching or or reading are are not Christian, and so I'm just not going to listen to them. 
but that comes from a, a, a place of, of pride, and, and really we're overestimating our own ability to distinguish truth from, from lies. Those things, no matter who they come from, the more we spend time in them and listen to them, they will seep into our hearts and our minds, and they will, they will disciple us in the ways of the world rather than disciple us in the ways of Jesus. But as we come to Jesus, we find that he is the one who is the truth. The one who holds all knowledge and all wisdom. TikTok taught me that sharks are older than trees. But the Bible points me to the one who made the sharks and the trees and the whole world and everything that is in it. We spend our time on Instagram as we looked at, or on TV, hearing the calls of other things in this world calling us to follow them. And some of those things are good. But the call of Jesus is to follow the true teacher, the one we can trust to form us. The next uh, exclamation given of Jesus is that he is the Messiah in verse 41. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ." For thousands of years, the Jews had been anticipating the Messiah. They had hoped for uh, this person to come from God, and this person would be, uh, would, most of them would have hoped, would be a military ruler. This would be somebody that would free them from whatever occupying power they had in the day. Uh, there had been previous ones, Babylonians uh, and the like, but at this stage, the Romans. Their hope was this Messiah would come and he would free them. He would restore the people of Israel to what they ought to be. He would defeat their enemies. And so throughout John, throughout the other Gospels, we see a lot of people, if they think Jesus is the Messiah, they treat him like that. When Jesus rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, they greet him the same way they greeted military warriors from the past. And we don't think uh, that Andrew maybe thought of Jesus like that, but he certainly probably would have had something uh, of that in his mind. The point is, that they had been looking for the Messiah, and they'd found him. Some had been looking, uh, and we talked about this last week, at John the Baptist and wondering if he was the Messiah. But John the Baptist was adamant. He said, I am not the Messiah. The Messiah is coming. I am not even worthy to untie his sandals. Many of them came to John the Baptist with a temptation we all come to, of trying to put all our hope in a person that ultimately will disappoint us. If they had thought John the Baptist was the Messiah and followed him, they wouldn't at all have found what they were looking for, what they needed. But as they realize that Jesus is the one they have been looking for, they can go to him trusting that he is the one that they desperately need. As a, as a Man United fan, uh, as I said with the Ronaldo thing, I really thought that this season was going to be our season. I'm really sorry if you, if you don't follow football. Man United, I thought we were going to win the league and we, we finished really bad. But I thought Ronaldo coming, he's going to be the one that will save us. I don't think he was the Messiah, but I'm sure there were calls out there for him to be the Messiah. But the message is that any, any of our full hope we place in a person is going to let us down. But the one we are truly looking for, whether we actually realize it or not, is Jesus. 
He is the Messiah. And he came not to free us uh, from whatever problems we might be facing, whatever problems they had with the Romans, but came to free us from sin. Came to make us alive to God. We can follow Jesus because he's the Messiah, because anybody else we follow will fail us. But Jesus never will. The next exclamation we see is verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. The the reference he gives to Moses is found in Deuteronomy 18. Uh, Verse 18 of that chapter says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Now, there's similarities here between the Messiah. The Messiah was promised, and they're also speaking of this promised one. This one that God has promised to the people of Israel would come, would come without uh, telling them uh, a timeline, but just a promise. And you can imagine there would be many uh, Jews who had thought, when is this promise going to come true? They had been through disaster after disaster and turmoil after turmoil, For many, God had been seemingly absent from their lives. And I'm sure they had a temptation to give up. But every single promise that was made of Jesus came true. One of the promises was that he would be a Nazarene. And here he comes, Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth as a place was a pretty nothing place. Uh, if you did a search of Nazareth, you wouldn't find, really find anything in the Old Testament. Imagine uh, for a second the worst place to be from that you can possibly think of. Uh, back then, there would have been a far high, there would have been a, maybe a bigger snobbery about it, as we see, um, as we see Philip says. Or Nathaniel says, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" They had no hope that somebody would come from Nazareth. But what came from Nazareth was the one that God had promised so long before. We live a couple of thousand years on from when these events happened. We look around our world and we see a world full of brokenness and destitution and sadness and sin. And a lot of us will get to a stage of despair. We really wonder, is God still working in the world? Is God still present with us? With the church in Scotland declining, is God still still the one that we are worshipping? Does God still care? As uh, As we see people in our church go through really awful times with loss or with sickness, those questions and grumbles might become ever stronger in our hearts. And we might begin to wonder, is God still here or is God even coming back? Are these promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us actually true? How can we stand and sing songs about how much God loves us when everything around us seems to be crumbling and so hard? Well, they saw the promised one, maybe thousands of years after they hoped. And we trust in a God and we trust in a Lamb of God who will return. 
that there is coming a day where he will come back in glory. And all of this, uh, all of this world that is falling around us, all of creation that is groaning for him, will be restored by Jesus. Again, that uh, Jesus being from Nazareth gives off the appearance that he is not worth following. We might be tempted uh, to ask questions of our church, or we might think that uh, our friends who don't know Jesus will ask questions of our church. Can anything good from the ch- come from the church, we might ask? Can anything good uh, come out of this place? Most of our, uh, our friends, as they think of the church, will probably have an impression that the church is a bigoted group, or the church is a place for old people, and no one else, that the church is boring, that the church has no place in society, they'll say what good could come from the church. And maybe as they, if they were to, to watch us and they saw us walk out that door and they uh, looked at all of us and assessed us, they might still have that question. This is just a ragtag group of people. What, what good could possibly come from there? And if it was all down to us, then we'd probably have to say that's a pretty reasonable question. But as the church, we don't don't need to proclaim that you need to follow us. We get to proclaim that you should follow Jesus. And what good could possibly come from following Jesus? Well, so much. Jesus is the Lamb of God. We can say to the whole world that you are loved so much that the Son of God went to die for you. We can say to the world that is searching for truth and meaning, hey, the one you are actually searching for is Jesus. We can say that the person you can place your hope in is this Messiah that we have found. We can say that there is coming a day where no matter what you are going through now, you can stand with Jesus in glory and worship him. We have a beautiful message to share, not of ourselves, not of this church, but of Jesus. John the Baptist didn't want to share of himself, he just shared of Jesus. As Andrew told Simon, he didn't share of himself, he shared of Jesus. As Philip found Nathaniel, Philip didn't share about himself, he shared of Jesus. We have a world that needs to know him. And we have a wonderful Jesus to proclaim to them. The final exclamation is given in verse 49. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God's. You are the king of Israel. Remember, we talked about the start. The whole purpose of John's gospel is to make people believe that Jesus is the son of God and that by believing in him, you might have life in his name. And so already in this first chapter, uh, we have Nathaniel saying, you are the son of God and you are the king of Israel. Now, Israel uh, was ruled by the Romans They obviously, uh, the Jews didn't like the Romans at all. They uh, might have had to recognize uh, Roman governors as as their governors or as their kings or whatever. But Nathanael is saying to Jesus, you are my king. You are the king of us. That King Jesus, who was king before the foundation of the world, is still King Jesus no matter what is going on in Nathanael's life. 
that we stand and we consider and we look out, as we've already said, about the world around us and we wonder, where is God? Well, we can still say and we can still sing and we can praise God for this, that we can still say he is the king of it. That Jesus Christ today stands in glory as king. And the question he wants to ask us is do we recognize him as our king? Are we still holding on to some sort of hope in ourselves? Are we still making all our decisions and life choices based on what we want? Are we still saying to Jesus, I see you and I recognize you, but I also just love this world so much? Or are we bowing down before him and saying, Jesus, you are king? And if you're struggling to say that Jesus, you are king, the place to go, again, is not to beat yourself up, but to go and see more of who Jesus is. He invites you to follow him, to spend time with him, to see how wonderful he is. And he will change your hearts. He will give you a new heart that loves him so deeply. And so whether you find yourself, whether you're following Jesus or not, or whether you just want to be following Jesus more, as you consider the costs, don't ask if there are things you can afford to give up. Ask the question, can you afford to miss out on Jesus? Can you afford to miss out on Jesus, the Lamb of God, taking our sin and reigning in glory? Of Jesus, who is the truth. Of Jesus, who is the Messiah. Of Jesus, who is the promised one. Of Jesus, who is the Son of God, King of this whole world, and King of us. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that you are so wonderful. That this invitation to follow you is the most glorious invitation. An invitation into life to the full. Thank you that we get to enter uh, into a life of following you because you have paid uh, the way by the death of your son. And that we do not just praise a man who died, but the lamb who is seated on high. And we long for that day when he returns. And we will praise him with the elders and the myriads and myriads of angels and all creation to say worthy is the lamb that was slain. Lord, would that be a message uh, that we love and treasure so deeply that we long for so many others outside of this church to hear it. Give us a heart and a boldness to proclaim who Jesus is. Thank you that you do not make us have to uh, boast about our church, about anything that might be good in it, but that we get to boast about Jesus. Amen.